turn to Philippians. Philippians is one of those epistles that Paul wrote, and they call them the prison epistles. He wrote this while he was a prisoner at Rome. He was on house arrest, some commentaries say, where he had some liberty to do some things. And one of the things that he did would he would write letters back to some of the churches that he established. Philippians is one of those books, and we're going to look into it. My key verse that I'm bringing out for this study tonight is Philippians 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Amen. A lot of times before service, I will get up and say, <clears throat> if you're happy and you know it, shout amen. But I thought tonight through this Bible study, that's the wrong thing to say. I should be saying, if you're joyful and you know it, shout amen. Amen. So that's my topic today. He's in Philippians. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always or at all times. We should rejoice in him at all times. Amen. And so my topic today is how to have joy. And we, the church, folks, we of all people should have joy in our lives. Amen. More than anybody else, we should have the joy of the Lord in our lives. Amen. After all, we carry what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the gospel, which means good news. We've got good news. Amen. We don't need to be sourpuss. Christians, amen, we need to realize that we have what this world needs, amen, and we ought to be the ones going around said, I know it looks bad and grim in this world, but I've got good news, amen, we know that it, it just seems like the, the uh, government of this country and all the countries are just upside down, amen, but we've got good news, amen. The world seems to have turned everything around from what seems to be uh, wrong is now right and what's right is now wrong. And, but we've got good news, and that's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Nehemiah told the people as they read the word of God and they began to weep about it, he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Joy in the book of Philippians is found, I counted about 17 different times where you count joy or rejoice or gladness. 17 different times in just this small book of only about four chapters. Joy means cheerfulness, and it means gladness, and it means calm delight. I like that last one, calm delight, amen. Romans tells us in verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It's not religion, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you're just coming to church, you think you're going to have a life of joy? I got news for you. You probably won't be very joyful or happy. Amen. Because it's in 
the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It's the kingdom of God. It's not in a religious thing. It's in an experience in a relationship. In this country, we have, uh, by the Declaration of Independence, the right, it says, to pursue happiness. As long as you don't do anything that's illegal or violates the rights of others, we have the right to pursue happiness. You, sometimes they call it the American dream. Happiness is something that we pursue. People pursue it, right? But joy is not something that is pursued. Joy is simply the byproduct of a life lived for God. You can't pursue joy. You can pursue uh, God. Amen. And that's the byproduct that gives you the joy. Hallelujah. But happiness is something that everybody in the world is searching for. They want happiness. I read a new research revealed that some Americans have forgotten what what it means to be truly happy. In the events over the last several years, COVID and all that stuff, changing the lives and livelihoods of many, this survey said that 27% of Americans said they couldn't remember what it meant to be truly happy. Think about it. 27%. 45% of the Americans surveyed said that it had been more than two years since they last felt true happiness. More than half of those surveyed said that they had been more unhappy in the past year than any other time in their life. This is based on a research that was surveyed more than 12,000 people in 14 countries, including the U.S. It also found that 70% of the Americans surveyed said the past two years have changed what it means to be happy. What made them happy before no longer makes them happy today 83 percent of the people said that and nearly everyone 88 percent is looking for new experiences to make them smile and laugh people are not happy and people are looking for happiness and they think 88 percent of the 12,000 that was they think that new experiences something out there has to make me happy. I'm searching for it, is what they're saying. I'm looking for it. And thank the Lord the church has the answer. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. They said the number one way to increase happiness, we're talking about happiness, not joy, but happiness is through a relationship. They said relationships are what bring happiness. And that's why they said the season of COVID where they shut everything down and made you isolated into your homes was a devastating thing for the psychic of people or whatever because we need to be out having relationships. Amen. That's why we need to come to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It says so much the more as you see the day approaching. Exhorting one another we're here to lift one another up and when you don't have that it doesn't help in your joyfulness or in your happiness but i remember that old song it says joy is the flag that's flown from the castle of my heart you remember that one 
From the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, joy is the flag that's flown. From the castle of my heart, for the king is at residence here. Am I the only one that knows that one? You ever heard that before? Raise your hand if you ever heard that song. Brother Morgan, you never heard that song before? You must be young. Amen. I wish I could sing. I'd belt it out the whole thing right now. But here's the point. It says joy is the flag that's flown from the castle of my heart. They said there's an old English tradition that they had a certain flag at the castle in England that when the king was there, that the flag would go up. And everybody knew that the king was at residence in the castle. And that's where this song came from, the joy is the flag that's flown from the castle of my heart. And it gives the reason why. Because the king is at residence here. Hallelujah. So it is all about relationship, really, when you think about it, our relationship with Almighty God. Jesus told him in John chapter 15, it's Jesus speaking. He said, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He says in verse 11, these things... Have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full? If you want to have a fullness of joy in your life, then you get into the word of God. You have the relationship with the word of God. Amen. And it's so different from happiness. Amen. Happiness is just gauged upon the things that are happening around you, happenstance. You win a million dollars, you're going to be happy. You have to file for bankruptcy, you're not going to be happy. It just depends on what side of the gauge that you're on. Amen. You get a new car and you're happy. You got to make that first payment and you're not so happy anymore. Amen. That's happiness. It comes and goes. We're all going to be happy. And we're not always going to come into the house of God and we're not always going to feel like we're happy. Amen. Like that's why I said, if you're happy and you know it, well, not everybody might want to say amen to that because we can't all be happy. But if we ask the question, are you joyful and you know it, we all can say amen because we have a relationship with the heavenly father. Amen. God is so good to us to give us joy, unspeakable and full of glory. You'll pursue happiness, and mostly it's on money. When you pursue things, it's mostly money, and even the Bible talks about that. You know, things and money, we think, that would buy happiness. And I think it was John D. Rockefeller, who is one of the richest men to ever live, even on today's standards. I read somewhere, I think, in today's standard, he would be worth $400 billion trillion i don't know one of those big words up there uh he'd be worth a lot of money even in today's standards but he died a depressed man 
he died a depressed man. Now, how many of you think you could use a million dollars? Might make you change a few things, right? And it would bring happiness to you for a while. But that is not what brings true happiness. True happiness only comes from the joy of having the Lord in our lives. So the irony of this whole book here, Philippians, is that Paul's in jail, right? He's in bonds, and he's writing about joy. He's in bonds, but he's writing about joy. So I want to talk about a few things on how to have joy. Number one, what is the conclusion of the matter? We always have to be looking at the conclusion of the whole thing. You can't look at what's right up front. Amen. But to have joy, you have to look at the conclusion of things. He says in chapter one and in each chapter, there's four chapters in the book of Philippians. And I'm just going to take one chapter, each chapter. And I'm picking out something that spoke to me about how to have joy. So from chapter one, it's we need to look at the conclusion of the matter. Look at the end of the road. What's the final results? Amen. In uh, chapter one, verse six, Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's looking down the road in this statement. When the Lord comes again, I'm assuming that's what he's talking about, until the day of Jesus Christ, he said, God's begin a work in you, and he's going to perform it. There's nothing that's going to stop that. Amen? He's going to do the work that he has to set forth in your life. You're the only one that can stop it. But whatever God wants to do in our lives, if we allow him to do he is going to allow it to happen. He's going to perform it. He's going to bring it to pass. And we're all here because we started out somewhere with the Lord. We had a uh, conviction or a desire. And I don't know how far along you are in your walk with the Lord, but we all had this desire to be in God's presence. Or you wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't. But God is doing a good work in you, and he will perform it, and there's nothing going to stop it. The gates of hell can't stop the church of the living God. Amen. I like when Jesus was going, I think he was going into Jerusalem and the, and the Pharisees came to him and said, you know, you need to get out of here. Herod's going to kill you. <laughs> and Jesus just looked at him and says, you go tell that fox that today I'm going to do this. I forget exactly how it says. Today I'm going to do works and tomorrow I'm going to do this. And the third day I'm going to be perfected. In other words, Jesus was saying, it don't matter what everybody thinks they're going to do or what they say they think they're going to do against the kingdom of God. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. Sometimes we use that collectively, but raise your hand and say, I am the church. Hallelujah. We are the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. In verse 12 of that same chapter, he says, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me, this is Paul speaking, have fallen uh, out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul looked at his surroundings as he was writing back to this church that he had founded in Philippi. And he says, you know, I want you to understand 
everything that's happened to me, it's for a reason. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. And when we live our life for the Lord and we're walking in the spirit, it doesn't matter what comes our way. We can have good days, bad days. We can have things that come very trying in our lives. But if we just keep walking in the spirit, it's going to be for the furtherance of the gospel, the good news in your life and the life of those that are around you. He says, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace, in all other places. Here Paul is, he's, uh, some commentators say he's probably uh, chained to a Roman guard, right? And they said, one of them said they had six-hour shifts that they would take, and they had to be enchained with Paul. And so could you imagine having to be chained to Paul for six hours and him talking to you about the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. He said, my bonds are manifest in all the palace. That could be where this has come from. Some of them probably got saved. There were people in the palace that got saved. Amen. Paul had to go to prison, had to be in bond for this to happen. You know, and maybe the church was at some time they're playing, you know, how, Lord, let the gospel get into Caesar's palace, you know, and we want some miraculous thing to come to pass. But God uses an apostle Paul drags him into the worst place he could be in a Roman prison, amen, to get the gospel into other places, amen. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So others were encouraged when they saw Paul in his situation and realized that he still kept the joy. So we in our walk with the Lord, the Bible says we are open epistle. We're known and read of all men. When people see the things that you go through that are visible, the trials and tests you go through visible, and you still keep your head up, and you still have the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. It speaks to them. It speaks to them. And most of us can here can testify the fact that at one point or another, somebody said, how do you always keep a happy uh, countenance and spirit about you when everything around is just falling apart and it gives us the opportunity to say because we have joy of the lord which is greater than anything else amen so it speaks volumes to other people some indeed preach christ even of envy and strife some some also of goodwill so he's saying there's preachers out there some are just doing it for envy and strife one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, trying to add or supposing to add affliction to my bonds. The other in love, knowing that I am set to the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. We look at Paul here as kind of a, I always look at him a strong arm, you know, carries a big stick type of preacher. But we don't find him here, you know, cursing these other people or saying, God, kill them, get them out of the way. But here we see where he's saying, whether they preach in pretense or in truth, he's saying, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Because no matter what they do, they can't go against the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Amen. And he said, even in this trials, I'm going to rejoice 
and will rejoice. You know, Paul's in prison. He's chained. And he has been thrown in, um, you know, even in Philippi when he went there. And I want to read that in Acts chapter 16 because it's kind of interesting to me. But Paul went to Philippi to preach the gospel and he went there to start the, the church of the Philippians. And while he was there, he got thrown in prison too. Uh, I heard somebody say they always joked. Paul always had a joke that he always wanted to know where the, when he came into town, he asked where the jail was. And they said, why do you want to know? He says, because I want to know where I'm going to be spending the night. That's not in the Bible or anything. That's just a joke somebody made up. <laughs> but he was in Philippi. And going to Philippi, right? Paul the apostle, this great apostle. Acts chapter 16, we can read about the account of it. He's in a missionary. He's going around. I think this is his second missionary journey. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. He had established these everywhere. And now when they, in these words of these cities, I'm going to probably botch up, but it doesn't matter. They're just cities. Now, when they had gone through Pergia and through the region of Galatia, they were forbidden. This is Paul and Silas. Here's another thing. It used to be Paul and Barnabas, right? But just a few chapters earlier, Paul and Barnabas had a falling out. They couldn't get along with each other. So they went their separate ways. They had it out over a guy by the name of Mark. Amen. And so they had it out. And so here Paul is going with Silas. And I'm just saying that to say that things don't always go. You know, we're human beings. We have different personalities. We're not always going to look at the same things, see the same things, right? Like the same things. Amen. If we took opinion on everybody every time if we wanted to change something that would be a disaster because we all come from different walks different desires and everything but the, the key is that we love one another amen we may not agree we can even have sometimes a following out in certain areas but we love one another amen but as they were in going through uh the region of galatia they were forbidden verse six they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And I thought that was interesting. And after they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go to Bethnia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So I'm thinking here, okay, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's got this great calling of God on his life, used of God mightily. And he's here, he's, he doesn't really know where he's going. He's trying to go here, but the Holy Ghost says, no, don't go preach in Asia. And so they went another way, and they went this way, and the Spirit suffered him. Nope, don't go that way. And so he's really not knowing where he's supposed to be going. But in verse number 9, he said, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man stood, and stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia. And help us. So Paul sees this vision of some man in Macedonia, which is the region where Philippi was located. Come over here and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So he goes there and then 
he's probably looking for this man, right, that he sees in this vision. And if he ever saw him, we're not told it in the word of God. But he just goes and he goes to Philippi, which is the chief city of Macedonia. And while he's there, he bides certain days there. And they don't even have a synagogue there. He goes down by the river where they're having some prayer. And he runs into some ladies there that were believers of God. Lydia, the seller of purple, which worshiped God, whose heart the Lord opened. Verse 14. And she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. And so she got baptized and those that were with her and... And she said, come and stay with us. And he abode there certain days. But as they went to these prayer meetings, came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of deviation met us, which brought her masters much gain and soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the most high God, which show us the way of salvation. They were. They were the servants of the most high God, which showed the way of salvation. And this girl followed them, or this lady, whoever it was, followed them and kept saying this, and she did this many days. Verse 18, but Paul being grieved, he got grieved about it. This was not of God, even though what she was saying was true. It was not a God. It was a spirit, an evil spirit. He commanded, he said unto the spirit, command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out of her that same hour. Well, this young lady was being used by her masters, the Bible says, if you keep reading, to get gain. She must. She was a soothsayer, maybe a fortune teller, and they were getting great gain for them. And when they realized that their, you know, profitable servant there had lost her power, they got mad. They got Paul and Silas and brought them to the magistrates in verse number 20, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. And teach customs that are not lawful for us for to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Did you catch that? And when they had laid many stripes upon them. We kind of pass over that part, you know. We just read the account. You know, here's Paul just trying to start a church. And he gets this opposition. They come, they beat him, throw him in prison, charging the jailer to keep them silent or keep them safely. So the jailer receiving this charge, he puts them in the inner prison and made their feast, feet fast in the stock. So he chained them down once again they chained them down verse 29 but at midnight this is the one we all know paul and silas prayed and sang praises unto god and the prisoners heard them even though they were going through it it didn't take their joy they might not have been happy but they were still joyful they sang praises unto the lord Hallelujah. I want you to know when you come into the house of God and you begin to worship the Lord, regardless of the situations that are going along in your life, I want you to know that's a sacrifice that is well-pleasing unto God Almighty. Hallelujah. And there was a great earthquake, shook the prison, the doors were open, everyone's bands were loose. Well, we know that through, if you keep reading, that this Philippian jailer was saved, he got baptized, 
and hence from this lady Lydia and this jailer, the church at Philippi was born. Amen. But Paul went through a lot of things, and I thought, you know, he, he really didn't know where he was going, and, and, you know, the Holy Spirit stopped him here and stopped him there. Finally, he got the direction from the man in the vision, and then he goes there. He thinks he's doing the will of God. You look into Paul's life, you know, but Paul was warned at the very beginning that he was told, you know, he was warned of the things that he was going to have to suffer for the kingdom of God's sake. I think it's one mistake that we have in our walk with the Lord and when we have new people come into the house of the Lord and, and find a new experience with God that, that everything's just going to be candy-coated in our lives, that everything's going to go good and that when we think something goes wrong, we can just take it to the Lord in prayer and He's going to immediately touch him touch the situation but that's not the case jesus said in this world you're going to have tribulation he said but be of good cheer joy i have overcome the world we're victorious amen through christ hallelujah so paul i'm just looking at this and i'm thinking paul's chained and i'm thinking how are you chained tonight maybe somebody came here feeling like you're kind of chained Maybe you're chained by, you know, it doesn't have to be sin. It doesn't have to be an addiction. Maybe you're just chained by your job or something. You just feel bound by your job. Or maybe it's a family relationship. Um, you know, just things that chain us and bind us. Here's what you do. You do like Paul and Silas. You pray and you sing praises. You pray and you sing praises. And eventually the chains are going to be loosed. The chains are going to be loosed. Hallelujah. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Here's the thing. that We look into this situation with Paul. And I, I know it was lengthy. But I wanted to point out the fact that Paul does this great work. But there was some consequences and trials and tests and sufferings along the way. And things that he didn't always understand. The will of God didn't know you know, what the will of God was, and we can be like that in our own lives. But the church was born in Philippi because of it. And in verse 21 of chapter 1, Paul makes this amazing statement that is what we can, if we can grasp a hold of this, it'll give us joy in this life. Where he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. As long as I'm in this world, I'm just thinking about living for Jesus Christ, doing the work of Almighty God. Hallelujah. And if I die, I die. Amen. If I die, then I die. And even, even Paul said this. He said, of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. 39 times he was whipped, or five times he was whipped 39 times. He said, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I suffered, suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings awful, often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Paul just said, I went through all these things. 
But he's able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's understanding what the conclusion of the matter is. If we keep that utmost in our minds in our walk with the Lord, we'll understand that God's got a purpose. I'm going somewhere and it really doesn't matter. It does matter. I mean, I, I don't want any pain. I'm a whiner. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't like to be discomforted at all. And, and I seek to find all the comfort that I can. But we need to seek God with all of our heart. We need to seek God like we seek after happiness, like the world seeks after happiness. They'll try anything. You know, they want to, anything they can do to increase their happiness. We need to be doing everything we can to increase our relationship with Almighty God because that's where the true joy comes from. Amen. So the second thing I want to talk about is have self-control in your life. Chapter number two, that's what I pulled out of this. That's just for this study and, and the Lord speaking to me. But have self-control of your own life. You're in charge of your own life. Amen. You're in charge of your own life. I think everybody in here is over 18 years of age. Nobody should be telling you what to do. Amen. As far as it comes to your walk with the Lord, you are control of your own life. We have 50 year olds and 60 years olds that have never really taken control or responsibility for their own lives. They never have really grown up. But the day that you take responsibility for your own life is the true day that you come to maturity. I believe Paul's trying to take tell us that in this second chapter. He said, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that you be like minded, having the same love being in one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This is how you get control of your own life. It's not like saying, I'm in boss, I'm in, I'm in charge. He's saying, don't seek vain glory. Become lowly in your mind esteeming others better than yourself i'll just admit to you i've not arrived at this yet esteeming others better than themselves look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others what are the needs of others amen when we truly do that's when we control our lives he said let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. <clears throat> but he made himself, everybody said he made himself, of no reputation. And he took upon him, everybody say he took upon him the form of a servant and was in the likeness of men. He did it. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. We have to be able to do that in our walk for the Lord. We have to be able to take upon that form of a servant. Nobody likes to be a servant. Amen. Because it's a humility thing. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Everybody say he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. You have to humble yourself to bring yourself 
into obedience and it's not and it's a daily thing i think it's luke that says pick up your cross daily it's a daily thing that you got to crucify that old flesh become that servant amen be obedient unto death the death of the cross and your flesh and the world is going to fight you every step of the way but if you want to have joy you take control of your life and you do it by humbling yourselves, by becoming obedient, by being a servant. And, when, you know, when you're a servant, you don't have any rights, you know. And I'm not saying we need to let people walk all over us. But, you know, we got to not allow ourselves to be easily offended. Amen? I think it was Brother Morgan that said offenses that just pride. Was he the one that said that? Man, that just, <laughs> he said it. And that's, that's so true. When we're offended, it's just because of pride. But when we take control of our own lives, you can't offend me. Amen. I'm not turning back. I'm going to live for Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't care what you say. Hallelujah. But I'm going to make it. When we make these decisions, when we, when we um, take control of your life, that's when you have true happiness. Amen. That's where you say, you know, in verse 12 where it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling amen he said my beloved as you have always obeyed not as in my presence only but also in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is god which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure do all things without murmuring and disputings that they may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Things haven't changed any. He was saying that back there in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. <clears throat> I think we could say that about ours, ours right now, right? I think I said this last time I was up here, but I was listening to a tape and the preacher was saying, what we need is a new government. What we need is... A a change in the presidency and what we need is a, this and that and and uh it was from like 1980 or something i forget it was 25 years ago and i think you know things never change people are still the same they just think that they need a change what we need to change is our own life our own self amen take control of our own self hallelujah and he said holding forth the word of life in verse 16 of chapter 2 that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain near labored in vain verse 18 for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me and he goes on to say this but he tr he said uh, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you and he said in verse 20 for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for you he's talking about a couple men here Ephroditus, I think is how you say it. Ephroditus and Timothy. And he makes some comments about these men. He said Timothy is like-minded. And he said he's a partner in the gospel. When he had his friends, they were people that were partners in the gospels. Things, people that were like-minded unto him. When he spoke of Ephroditus, he said, Yet supposed it necessary to send unto you Ephroditus, my brother and companion, in labor we don't like that word labor and a fellow soldier 
It's a warfare. Amen. It's work and it's a warfare. And that's what our brothers and sisters are here for. We're in a battle together. We're in a warfare together. And we should be laboring for the kingdom of God together. Hallelujah. And when you take control of your own life and you become that soldier, you know, I've never been into services, but I hear you don't really have much of a say when you get into services. They tell you when you're going to get up, when you're going to go to bed, what you're going to eat, amen, and where you're going to go. And so when we sign up for this kingdom of God, we don't always know what's ahead, but we can trust that God's got brothers and sisters in the Lord that are going to be like-minded partners in this gospel that we can labor together and also have a battle together. Amen. So take control of your life. And you do that simply by doing it yourself, humbling yourself, and getting yourself in the companionship of those that are like-minded and are doing the same thing that you want to. That's how you take control of your life. You can't live half in the church and half out of the church. It's just that you can, but you're not going to be very joyful. You won't be happy either. Amen. You think that you would, but when you just get all the way in and your friends are in the church and and you live for God with all your heart and you're in this battle together, and you can take control of your own life. And it's your choice. Amen. All right, let's move on to chapter 3. Chapter 3 is the third thing you do to get joy, and that's have confidence. Place your confidence in Him, in Jesus Christ. He said, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Amen. He just keeps throughout this whole thing talking about rejoicing. Amen. Just keep worshiping God. That's why we just come into the house of God, and we're always trying to encourage people to lift up your hands, lift up your voice, worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Because that's where real joy comes from when we begin to worship God. But we need to have our confidence in Him and not in ourselves. Verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Don't have any confidence in your own flesh. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't think highly of yourself, but don't trust. Amen. Don't trust your flesh. Don't trust your heart. Amen. Don't trust uh, the flesh. Have no confidence in the flesh, that I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he thereof might trust in the flesh, I more. So Paul gives his credentials here. He said, if you want to talk about credentials, I got the credentials. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. Uh, he was had zeal. He had all these credentials. But what things were gained to me, those th- I counted lost for Christ. Amen. And so we need to do, we need to accomplish things and we need to have uh, goals in our lives and be successful. I believe that. But we need to realize that they're nothing without the Lord. And we need to count them all for a loss without Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count things all, all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Everything else, nothing else matters when it comes to us finding the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Whom I have suffered and lo- the loss of all things 
and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Do you have that desire in your life? Don't take confidence in yourself. You can't make it on your own. You've got to get knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've got to win Christ in our life and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, which is of God by faith, that I might know him. Hallelujah. That we might know him. Don't lean upon your own understanding, but that we might know him and the power of his resurrection. Man, we want that power of the resurrection, don't we? But it also says, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. On down in verse 13, he says, Brother, and I count, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are behold before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Sometimes when we rely upon our own selves, we fail. We all, we do fail. We all fail, right? Every one of us has failed and we feel like, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, I, I really failed God and I knew better than that. And we do the things that are wrong. But Paul says, I not count not myself to apprehend it. That makes us feel good, doesn't it? When we read that Paul has not apprehended. Paul hasn't arrived yet. And this, he said, this one thing I do, the greatest apostle of all times, this is one thing I do. He said, I forget about those things which are behind. Forget about it yesterday. It can't come back to you again. It's gone. Forget about those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark. Hallelujah. The high calling of Christ. Amen. Of God in Christ Jesus. Pressing towards that mark. Don't have confidence in yourself. Don't worry even about your failures. Have confidence in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Keep pressing. Keep pressing towards that prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded or mature, be thus minded. And if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Amen. Do not rely on your own abilities. Amen. Trust in Almighty God. The fourth thing I want to uh, talk about from chapter 4 is to be content. Therefore, my brother, dearly beloved and hungered for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Amen. He wants us to realize that we need to be, if we want real joy in our lives, we have to learn to be content. And this is the verse 4 that I picked as the key verse of this whole study tonight. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or be anxious for nothing but by everything, by prayer and supplications. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, verse 7, which passes all understanding. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for the peace of God? 
if you've never been without peace in your life, you can't really appreciate that the way that is. But if you've ever been in a place where you've been in so much turmoil, amen, so much despair, so much unrest, amen, the peace of God, it passes all understanding. You can't explain it, how it transforms you. Hallelujah. But it will if you allow him to let it keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Meditate on these things. Don't allow your heart to wander off, but be content in your life focus upon the things of God. Most of the time we let our our minds wander into areas that we know they shouldn't be going to and there are things that are things that we desire sometimes or things that we want. But he says this, he says, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, amen, get control of those thoughts, hallelujah, and be content with what you have in God. And the God of peace, everybody say the God of peace shall be with you but i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at the last of your care of me may flourish again wherein you were also careful but you lacked opportunity he's talking here about them helping him and giving him an offering he said not that i speak in respect of want for i have learned that whatever state i am therewith to be content man I want to be that way, don't you? No matter what state we're in, we're just content. We're just doing the work of the Lord. God's got our backs. He's got everything under control. Amen. We just be content. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's talking about being content. I can do all things through Christ, which we think that, you know, I can leap over that building there because I can do all things through Christ with strength and with me. That's how we apply that verse. And we can probably if Christ is with you. But it's talking about here in the being content, notwithstanding you have well, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. So he's telling them you you gave me an offering. I appreciate it. He's telling us, I didn't need it. But basically, he's saying, you needed to do it. Not, verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Amen. But I have all and abound, and I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things that were sent from you, an odor and a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul said, I didn't need it. I didn't ask for it, but I used it. I could use it, and you're going to be blessed by it. It's going to abound to your account. That's why we give. We give for the furtherance of the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. But my God, verse 19, this is how we be content. But my God shall supply all, everybody say all, all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus all your needs, not all your wants. And then I read a commentary that said that uh, 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. He said, doesn't say give us this day our daily cake. It says give us this day our daily bread. The Lord will supply all of your need. Hallelujah. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever. Amen. He said, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. The saints salute you chiefly, they that are of Caesar's house. He had done a work there. Amen. In Caesar's house. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So just in uh, conclusion here and just in finishing this up. Before Christ, Paul was religious, right? He was just a religious man. But Paul meets Jesus one day on that road to Damascus and, and he gets struck down and he surrenders to God. Amen. And he went from being religious into a relationship with God. Paul had this relationship with God. I want to have a relationship with Almighty God. I just don't want to be associated to a church or even to a group of people, right? But I want to be associated. We all, we call each other brothers and sisters and we're all part of the family of God because of our relationship with the Father. (laughs) That's what makes us brothers and sisters in the Lord. But this is what Paul said at the end of his ministry. I think it's about the end of his life too. Right before he goes to Rome, he never... He uh, finally does die in Rome at one point. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, it says this. He said, now, behold, I go bound, bound in the spirit. Amen. If you want true joy, be bound to the spirit. He goes, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just in this for the long haul. I'm bound by it. Hallelujah. Is that the way you feel tonight? Save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that the bonds and afflictions abide me. He's saying, I really don't know what's going to befall me, except everywhere I go, everybody keeps saying, don't go to Jerusalem, Paul. There's going to be trouble there. But he said in verse 24, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that I might finish my course with what? Joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. God bless you. Let's all stand tonight. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Aren't you thankful for true joy? Amen. And if you're not having joy in your life, I encourage you to try to do some of those steps I went through tonight. But God desires for us to have joy. Amen. Not that we go around defeated, depressed, gloom, and despair. Amen. But we are a church triumphant. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's just go to him right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, help us, O Lord, to realize that joy just simply comes from our pursuit of you. Put a desire and a hunger in our hearts and in our minds to seek after you more and more in these days, oh God. We love you, Jesus. 
We are nothing without your touch. We've come to lift you up and to magnify you, for you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. We love you, Lord. We believe in you. We thank you, Lord, for the church. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for our brothers and sisters. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For this particular church that has a mission, O oh Lord, to take this gospel, this good news into all the world. In Jesus' name we pray and let the church say amen.